0: So, this one, here's a piece of a fish, and you can totally see its scales and skull structure and stuff in there. It's pretty cool. Oh my God, we packed
1: these in all of our Tupperware? That's where all of our Tupperware has
0: been for the last year.
1: You know what? It's been protecting 50 million year old fossils. Oh,
0: Katie, this fish has gone bad. It's, (laughs) It's getting a little old in there. It's kind of like digging for fossils all over again because I reopen these after not seeing them for like a year.
2: This is Katie and Matt my friends from college, and all-around fantastic adventure buddies. You may remember them from the Plate Tectonics episode and the stories of us road tripping across the country together in 2019. And in this episode, we're talking about fossils. Hi, I'm Kate Harubi, and this is Go Forth in Science Podcast, where we combine adventure and science into a tale that will hopefully make the next time you step outside even better. Fossils, in a nutshell, a fossilized nutshell, of course, are past records of something that was alive. Maybe a plant, a bug, an animal, or even footprints, feathers, or bones. Now, it's important to remember that the fossil isn't actually those things, though. It's more like a copy. Fossils are formed when a creature, or the trace of that creature, gets buried. And when we say buried, for the most part, we mean covered in mud, like at the bottom of a lake. But the creature could also be stuck in lava or in tree sap, something that's dense or sticky enough to prevent the creature from breaking down. Most organisms don't leave behind fossils because the traces of them are recycled rather quickly. A footprint is washed away in a rainstorm, animals come by and eat whatever just died, mushrooms break apart plant matter, things like that. But cover a dead dinosaur in superfine lake sediment? You can get yourself a fossil. Once it's buried, it sits there for a while, and eventually the surrounding mud hardens and turns to rocks, like limestone and shale. This is called sedimentary rock, which, in culinary terms, is kind of like a cake pop. You crumble the cake, mix it with icing, mash it into a ball, and reform it into something that's basically cake again. Sedimentary rock is the same. It's crushed up rock that gets mashed together, mixed with dead things, shells, and water, and then reforms into rock again. But now, back to fossils. The dead thing has gone from being stuck in something soft to stuck in something hard, so now we really know it's going to be around for a while. And as it continues to sit there, the minerals from the surrounding rock slowly replace the original bit of organism. So when scientists go and bury fossils, they're not picking up the bones of the creature, they're actually picking up rock that filled in the hole left by the bones of the creature.
0: Basically, it it dies, it's laying in mud, Another layer of mud goes, gets deposited on top of it. Eventually it gets compressed into like a very thin fish sandwich of mud with more fish on top. And then 50 million years later, it gets pulled up and cracked in half and thrown under the seat of somebody's car.
2: As our car and our friendship made it across the country last summer, Katie, Matt, and I knew we wanted to go see one of these lake beds filled with fossils.
0: It started with me just looking at all the things to do in America. I was like, I-, I bet there are places you can dig fossils. I want to do that. This one was like not that far off our trip. It's in the middle of nowhere, but it was achievable. Also, I, I think it was in our actual like overly detailed Google Doc plan for this trip. You know, for In those like couple hours, debate morality of digging our own fossils.
1: I know we had a lot of really good discussions about whether we really should be digging out our our own fossils just because there are so few places, not even in the U.S., but in the world where the conditions were just right to preserve all these critters. And like, should amateurs really be able to go in and kind of smash some rocks? People definitely protect things that they love and feel a connection to. That's sort of why we still have zoos around and stuff, because people like to go and see the animals and establish a, a connection. And for the eight, nine-year-old that gets to go out and see fossils like for real, might have a, a stronger desire to go out and become an archaeologist or historian or to protect these places.
0: I think part of the concern about like destroying this amazing history and just taking it and like swirling it away in your home, because you think you're going to find these like amazing, valuable, uncommon fossils. But looking at what we actually have here, they're like broken pieces of half of the tail of like the most common fish. You do this in in uh, like diving also, you know, the the shipwreck artifact thing, and there's a lot of debate on all the sides of that. And honestly, I don't really know where I fall on the spectrum but one big piece of it is if you do recover things it's much better if you actually carefully log and label what they are where they came from and some information about them with a a tag actually attached to it so that it's not just in your basement and going to the dump when you die maybe it can end up in a museum or with some local historical society and they actually know what it is instead of that knowledge just going away when you get bored
2: of diving or die or whatever. So how do we preserve the fossils we've collected?
1: Yeah, so I found that a lot of amateur fossil preservers just put them in epoxy, but the professionals and the people in the museums use an acrylic resin They use something called acryloid B72. So it's these little plastic pellets that you have to dissolve in xylene or toluene, which are very toxic. Be very careful if you. Very nasty solvents. Yeah. You make a, a pretty thin solution and you dissolve the B72. In the solvent and because the sediment is porous it actually absorbs it and so it doesn't just protect the outside it strengthens it from the inside out so you soak the whole fossil and basically until the bubbles stop and you could dip it more than once and actually if something goes wrong or you you don't like the way it comes out, if you dip the whole thing back in just straight xylene or or toluene, it's actually reversible. And it dissolves the B72 so that you can try again and it doesn't harm the fossil. I recommend doing it on a small piece first. And then if you mess up, you can try to reverse it.
0: And that way, when you're done with them, you can just drive them right back to put them (laughs) back in the rocks for somebody else to find in a million
1: years.
2: (laughs) The area where we were digging for fossils is a dried-up lake bed, appropriately called Fossil Lake, and on the traditional territory of the Shoshone. But the last time this region saw standing water was about 50 million years ago, when Fossil Lake was 900 square miles and part of a water system that also included two other large lakes throughout its two-million-year life. The lake spanned the southwest corner of Wyoming, the northeast corner of Utah, in the northwest corner of Colorado, and it's a hot spot for fossils. 50 million years ago the air was warm and wet, which led to ecosystems that would seem more tropical than the current mountains, fields, and deserts there today. Because Fossil Lake was a pretty still body of water that wasn't habitable for creatures whose favorite meal is something dead, dozens of different animal species have their imprints perfectly preserved at the bottom of this ancient lake. What was the feeling you guys had when you split a rock and saw that there was a fossil inside? It was the coolest freaking thing.
1: To have something that old so perfectly preserved right in front of you. And to know that I have fish in an aquarium at home that look just like this thing that was alive millions of years ago and how little they've changed was really cool.
2: The fish in this ancient lake were mostly Nydia eosina. These fish are a couple inches long and look similar to herring, sardines, and other small fish we have around today. The difference is that these species are 50 million years old, and their current ecosystem is a rock. Of all the animals with backbones in the history of our planet, Nidia eocena is the most common fossil in that category in the world. It's also the state fossil of Wyoming. These fish are the ancestors of similar freshwater species that are around today. And like the current ones, they are pretty sensitive to changes in their environment. So whenever their lake home got a physical or chemical remodel, it meant a bunch of the fish died, fell to the ground, and were preserved in the fossil record.
1: I don't know if you saw this one, but it is crazy just the proximity of these fish when they died. Like this one, there are no complete fish, but there are three of them here all on the same plane that all died like next to each other, maybe at the same time?
0: Yeah, it could have been the kind of thing where there were like tide pool areas where fish would get trapped and sort of landlocked. Maybe this place would have like seasonal algae cycles that would end up with fish kills from like low oxygen or something, just like we have here. Cause it did seem like there was a lot of fish very close to each other in the same strata, of the same type.
2: Whenever there were a bunch of fossils next to each other in the rock, it means there was a mass die off or an environmental change that killed a bunch of fish. Matt was spot on with his application of current phenomenon back to the past. These mass die-offs came because of temperature changes, acidity changes, changes in the saltiness of the water, tide pool formation, or algae blooms. So even though this lake is a relic of the past, all the processes we are familiar with today were still happening 50 million years ago. Nidia were mainly the fossils we were finding. But there is another kind of fossil that was common within this rock.
1: Kate, I totally forgot about one of the cooler, weirder fossils that we found. And we all found a couple, but it was the coprolites. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A little unidentifiable like fish poop fossils. There's a lot really, really fossils. cool. Yeah, there was a lot of fish poop.
0: God, I would love for some of my poop to be fossilized one day. And I would love even more if some much more highly evolved being in 50 million years gets really excited to find a piece of my fossilized poop. That would be such a good legacy to have, I think. Oh
1: my god.
2: Poop fossils are important, and not just because it takes the saying, everybody poops, to a whole new level. Based on the location, size, shape, and contents of the poop, scientists can figure out ancient food webs, animal behavior, and the dynamics between predators and prey. There is even a fossil in Italy that's a piece of poop with bite marks on it. From this one fossil, scientists were able to figure out that the poop came from a large animal like a shark, and as it was floating down to the ocean floor, other fish came along and tasted it to see if it was edible. Evidently it wasn't, because this piece of poop and its fishy bite marks survived long enough to be fossilized.
0: That's going to be crazy when they're like digging through our house and find like all these, you know, incongruous fossils.
2: We'll have fossils of our fossils.
0: Yeah, this is going to be in like 10 years, by the way, just with the the rate of what you could call it sediment deposition in our basement and attic.
2: (laughs) Good to know, good to know. Well, thank you guys for coming back on and taking us on the adventure of unearthing your fossils. Thanks for having us, and thanks for listening. And now for our episode recap. Fossils are created when a creature, or the traces of a creature, get buried. The surrounding material turns to rock, and so does whatever is left over from that creature. Minerals from the rock slowly replace the bones, shells, and exoskeletons, and sooner or later, we've got ourselves a fossil. We can find fossils in sedimentary rocks, in places like ancient dried up lakes. These ancient lakes would have dropped sediment down on anything sitting on its bottom, providing a great place for a fossil to form. One example of this is Fossil Lake in Wyoming, where over a million fossils have been recovered of fish, bacteria, insects, frogs, birds, and mammals, and of course also a lot of poop fossils from those animals. While we did have some moral qualms about taking these fossils out of their natural habitat, I will say that the experience was awesome and one of the most educational stops we made on that whole trip. Fossil digging was a great activity for a bunch of restless 20-somethings and would be an even better activity for the whole family. Just make sure you work through an organization that catalogs the finds and you keep information like the date, location, and species with the fossil. So even as it travels around the country and eventually gets buried again in your basement, it can still provide scientific information to its next discoverer. (music) Acknowledgements in this episode go to American Fossil, the company that ran the dig we participated in, and to the National Park Service. Even though many visitor centers are closed these days, they still have excellent educational websites, and you can learn more about Fossil Lake on the webpage for Fossil Butte National Monument. Scientific papers used in this episode are Alberto Coloretta's 2019 paper, Trace Fossils on a Trace Fossil, and Mao Luo's 2017 paper, "Taphonomy and Paleobiology of Early Middle Triassic Coprolites from the Looping Biota, Southwest China. Links and full citations can be found at goforthinscience.com. Also, if you like, comment, and subscribe to this podcast, it means more people can find it. So, reviews and engagements from you, wonderful listeners, are always appreciated. You can also find me on Instagram at GoForthandScience, in on Twitter at GoForthScience, and on Facebook as Podcast. As always, thanks for listening.